Hi, this is Bill Woods, a retired pastor up here in Sun Valley, Arizona. I'm hoping that uh, you're where you're protected some from the heat and you're comfortable today. I've been praying that God would use this podcast to speak to all of our hearts. I want to talk today about limp in, leap out. You know, when I was growing up in Walla Walla, Washington, there was a car dealership with the slogan, limp in, leap out. I think that'd be a good slogan for Christians to use as they observe their friends crippled by sin and needing to know that Christ has the answer they need to do more than just limp through life. If you pray for them and are willing to put forth the effort to witness to them, they might leap at the opportunity of being part of the family of God with all the blessings of being forgiven of sin and inheriting eternal life. I read in Mark chapter 2, 1 through 12, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Jesus was in Capernaum. Word spread and people ran from every direction to crowd into the house where he was in order to hear his sermons, watch his miracles, and maybe get some free fish sandwiches or, or something else to eat. Jesus was very popular. I imagine if we knew that he was holding meetings someplace close by, we would want to go see what was going on too. Well, the house was so crowded, not only was it standing room only, it was almost uh, breathing room only. There was a crippled man who needed healing, but he wasn't at the meeting yet. Four of his friends or relatives decided to bring him to the healing service. Jesus had visited Capernaum before. Why hadn't this man been healed then? Well, maybe nobody had cared enough to bring him before. I, I, uh, I've had people say to me, Pastor, I've known this person for 20 years, and, and he's dying now, and he really needs the Lord. Would you mind going over and try to win him to Jesus Christ? And my thought is, if you've known this person for 20 years, and you know the Lord, why haven't you done something to tell him about Jesus Christ? Why haven't you shared the good news with him? 
Well, whatever the reason the four friends decided to bring the crippled man in this time, it would have been interesting to watch those four fellows bring him to the house. What a sight that would have been. The tall one slightly bent over, straining to slow down with his long legs to slow the pace and keep the stretcher level. The short one stretching his little legs, almost running to keep up, straining to hold his corner level so as to not tip his friend off on the ground. The fat one puffing and wheezing because of the unfamiliar strain, sweat beating up on his forehead and face, and he was thinking, how much farther, how much farther? The old one praying that his back won't give out until they get there, that he can keep his grip. It'd be awful to drop his friend. And he's thinking, I I'm not the man I used to be, and maybe I never was. Each was made uncomfortable and awkward in performing his duty, but they did it because they loved their friend. They could sacrifice personal comfort if it would help their friend. Wow, if only we could gain that concept in our lives today. Finally, they reached the house, but it was full of people. Uh, there was no way they were going to get into that place. They tried to crowd in one door and people would not let them in. They tried to crowd in another door. There was no room and most people would have given up at this point. Well, they'd say, we tried. We were sorry that we weren't able to get you before Jesus, but we tried. We'll just take you back where you can continue begging alms and stuff. But they didn't give up. They found a way. You know, there's always a way to get to Jesus when we really want to. God never asks you to do a job that he won't equip you to do. They started climbing to the roof. Now imagine the thrilling sensation that would have been uh, the, the crippled man was having. Please be careful. Uh, don't drop me. Please. This, this is exciting. People nearby probably tried to stop them because they, they might disrupt the service. And besides that, we've never done it that way before. Not everyone liked Jesus. He drew in some pretty strange people. You know, if we do his will today, we might draw in some pretty strange people too. People that Jesus loves and gave his life to save, but maybe we haven't looked around and realized that they're right there all around us. Listen, there is nobody that isn't the type to need Jesus. I, I know people say, well, I could have witnessed, but I didn't think this person was the type to hear about Jesus. I didn't think this was the type of person who would have given his heart to Jesus. Well, you don't know that until you pray and until you offer the opportunity to the person to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. I remember when we were in Kansas City, Missouri, I was in seminary and we were working for Sears Metro and I remember Marty was working with a lady in the credit department and and the lady just seemed to have such a foul mouth and just seemed to have such a uh, different lifestyle that Marty said to, she probably never would be interested in hearing about Jesus Christ. But you know, it was one of those things that when we moved away from Kansas City, this lady wrote a letter to Marty saying she had accepted Jesus and what a wonderful change had come to her life. People, you don't know who will accept Jesus or who will reject the message until you give them that message. Well, the people said, uh, why don't you just quit and just forget it? Don't try to get this man before God. You'll never make it to Jesus anyway. And if you do, 
he doesn't have time to see you today. He doesn't have time to minister to you. You know, there's always plenty of people to tell us why it can't be done. Why don't you just close the church? It'll never come back. Uh, I, I remember that uh, I, when I was pastoring the Wesleyan Church, Emmanuel Wesleyan Church in Portland, Oregon, I was told by one of the other pastors, no Wesleyan pastor would want that Portland Emmanuel Church. It's just too hard. Well, I'll tell you what, if you, God is telling you to go someplace, you go. And God will help you to be able to do whatever needs to be done. I read an illustration about this concept, and I want to quote it today. And a group of frogs uh, were traveling through the woods. Two of them fell into a deep pit. All the other frogs gathered around the pit when they saw how deep it was. They told the two frogs, just give up. You're as good as dead. The two frogs ignored the comments and tried to jump out of the pit with all of their might. The other frogs kept telling them to stop. They were as good as dead. Finally, one of the frogs listened to what the other frogs were saying and gave up. He fell down and he died. The other frog kept jumping as hard as he could. The crowd of frogs kept yelling at him to stop the pain and, and just die. He jumped even harder and finally made it out. This frog was deaf, not able to hear the others. He thought they were encouraging him the entire time. You know, there is power of life and death in the tongue. An encouraging word to someone who is down can lift them up and help them make it through the day. A destructive word to someone who is down can be what it takes to kill them. Be careful of what you say. Encourage those you know. Sometimes it's hard to understand how an encouraging word can go such a long way. I, I heard about a preacher's son who wanted to go out calling uh, on a rainy day. It was a miserable day and everybody said, oh, we don't want to go out on this day. People want, don't want to hear the message today. If we knocked on the door, they wouldn't want to invite us in. They wouldn't want to do anything, you know, that uh, we'd, we'd track water in. Let's just forget it today. You know, some probably thought when these men, these four men brought their friend, that they were ruining the house by getting up on top of the roof and removing the tile. They put material things before the needs of this man. I had a lady in my congregation in Pullman, Washington. We had established a bus route to pick children up for Sunday school and church, and it was successful. And we'd reached a lot of kids. This dear lady came to me and asked me, Pastor, do we have to have all these kids? They disrupt the service and often leave a mess that someone else has to clean up. Sometimes they move around and knock the hymnals out of the racks. Wouldn't we have better results of reaching adults if we didn't have all these children here? I looked at her and said, would you like to come in and sit down with me this week and we can go over the Sunday school roles and decide which kids we want to get rid of and just let go to hell and which kids are worthy of keeping? That was undoubtedly the attitude most of the people had that day. They thought the actions of these four men were out of place. The Pharisees were looking down their skinny noses at these men. They felt they were too good for this kind of ministry and this was certainly out of place. We must make people welcome to God's kingdom. And remember, 
we're no better uh, and we better not look down our skinny little noses at them either because God loves them just as much as God loves us and has provided salvation for everyone. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the Bible also says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, the crowd that day could hear the scratching on the roof and they could see the chips falling from the ceiling. As they watched, a hole opened up. They could look up and see these men looking down. It's like today's church. Most people are willing just to stand by and watch. Finally, the four men let their friend down right in front of Jesus. Jesus didn't get upset. He didn't say, you're interrupting the service. He didn't chase them out. He said, your sins are forgiven. Oh, man, did this ever upset the pious church leaders of the day. They murmured, who is this man that he thinks he can forgive sins? Only God can do that. And, you know, they said, this They said this isn't the way it's supposed to be done. You know, people murmur over things today, too. But why didn't Jesus stop these men? I mean, he heard the clamoring on the outside, climbing to the roof. He could have gone outside to heal the man and, and save the roof and all that. He wanted to use their faith as an illustration. The man was healed as a result of the faith of five men. Five men came expecting a miracle and revival hit. If uh, we could see similar things happen today, let's make ourselves available to God so we can see some miracles. The man came in through the roof. He left through the door. Limp in, leap out. No matter how we come to Jesus, we can leave healed, clean, forgiven, a new person, holding our head high because we are a child of God. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see such things today? We can if we will. They're out there, the physically crippled, the emotionally crippled, the spiritually crippled. Jesus said in John chapter 4, 35, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe to harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. Let me ask you a question. Who do you know that isn't saved? You know, it's up to us to bring them in. It would be a terrible thing if those you know end up in hell for eternity because you weren't interested in bringing them to Jesus Christ. Remember, the crippled man would never have gotten to Jesus if his friends hadn't been concerned enough to bring him. Because they cared, he was able to limp in and leap out, a man transformed by Jesus Christ. I believe there are people all around you and all around me who need Jesus Christ today. And my prayer is that we will not be so busy with other things that we don't take the time to try to reach these people for Jesus. I, I think one of the worst things that could happen was at Judgment Day for somebody 
to stand there and point a finger of accusation at me and say, well, I might have accepted Jesus had he given me the message, but he never got around to telling me about the Lord. You know, when I was in high school, I had a friend from Thailand that exchange student, and he had come in at, to the high school and, and sat next to me, actually, and in a couple of my classes. And I can remember, his name was Victor, yeah. And I can remember Victor asked me several times, he, Bill, would you take me to Sunday school? Would you let me go to your church so I could understand more about this religion you say you have? And I, I had a Sunday school teacher that was weird. We used to call him Rod Serling. He often didn't prepare for Sunday school lesson, and so he would have us shut our eyes, and he'd say, now think about this, think about that, you know. And uh, I don't know, it was just weird. And, and I really didn't want to take Victor into that atmosphere. And so I'd make excuses. i say, Victor, you know, I'll take you later. And uh, right now is really not the time. And I had one excuse after another. That summer, when I was out in wheat harvest driving a truck, and I was sitting out on the, in the wheat field, and I turned on the radio, and I found out there was a young man that drowned at one of the local swimming pools, and his name was Victor Yeah. Oh, man, my heart just ached for that. And, you know, I, I just, I asked God to forgive me, but I dread standing before God one day and have Victor, yeah, say, you know, I was wanting to go to church. I was wanting to find out about Jesus, but you were too preoccupied to tell me what I wanted to know. People, who do you know that uh, you could reach for Jesus Christ if you'd put forth the effort? Let's, uh, let's not let them just go to hell. Let's tell them about the Lord. If we know the Lord ourselves, let's tell them about what we know and, and introduce them to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want you to know there's no time like the present to find him as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. And I, I want you to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I don't want you to point at me someday and say, well, he never told me because I'm telling you now, Jesus Christ is the answer and you need to confess your sins to him, ask him to become your personal Savior and accept his way of life into your life that you might glorify him. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I do pray today that you'll help each one of us, those who know you as their personal Savior, to get burdened to tell others about you, those who don't know you as their personal Savior, to come and confess their sins to you, repent of their sins, turn their lives around and begin living for you as they ought to. And thank you, God, that when we know you as our personal Savior, our sins are forgiven. We are adopted into your family. We know that we have eternity in heaven with you. You said you went to prepare a place for us, and you're going to come again and take us unto yourself, that where you are, we may be also. Help us, God, to become pro productive Christians for you and to help people to realize, even if they're limping, they can leap in the name of Jesus Christ. We love you so much. Have your way in each of our lives. We'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to get in touch with me again, remember my email address is R-E-V-W-M-W-W-O-O-D-S 
at gmail.com. It's all lowercase. And my phone, uh, my box number at the post office, box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. God bless you. I am praying for you in Jesus' name.